Praise the Lord. Let's grab our Bible, shall we? We're going to get into the word of the Lord, and it's, I feel just so privileged to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, God is here. We've been uh, blessed. Anybody blessed this Thanksgiving? Have you been blessed? And uh, it's been a great time. God is good, and I want to thank you for making uh, Exalt such a success. We had a tremendous crowd, and number of people that were here for the first time and a lot of good things happened but took a lot of work and it was an amazing night exalting the Lord and uh, what better time to have an exalt service even though it's a sort of a musical festival and worship than on Thanksgiving and so uh, we're starting off our holiday season with true worship and Thanksgiving anybody thankful here today what the Lord has done in your life. What starts happening is people start uh, families and situations that they've been away from all year long. Then the holidays come. I was reading uh, the other day about how the holiday season affects those that are maybe have discouragements in their home or their family or maybe somebody hasn't spoken to them in years and then the holidays come and bring brings it all up again. But the way to work your way through all of that. Of course, nobody here would be facing that, but you know what I'm saying, is to just give God praise. Hallelujah. Just say, I want to praise the Lord. And, uh, and he is certainly worthy of it. Now, both our assistant pastor and our music and youth director are uh, away. And um, they're in Florida. They were invited to uh, spend the week with the Campatellas, our evangelists from October. And uh, little did I know they had a lovely ranch with uh, all horses and different things so my grandkids are uh, some of them are down there enjoying uh, uh, Florida and uh, you know brother uh, Ryan has had a very uh, tiring year and so this is a very special time for his children to be away and uh, to enjoy the holiday so remember them they're they're heading back I don't know if they're on the road but they're heading back today and I want to thank them and everyone uh, who carried on as we were ill and recuperating and uh, made it so that we could get back into the pulpit. And so here we are in the house of the Lord. And uh, I know this is a busy holiday weekend. And so we want to thank you for all your labors, blessing and the good things. How many are thankful that God is blessing his church? Praise God. And I welcome you today to the Apostolic Tabernacle. This is a, a holiday time, uh, but this is a place where Pentecost is alive and well. You can feel the Holy Ghost. You can say, well, no, that I don't know what that is. Well, I'm telling you, that's the Holy Ghost that you're feeling. Turn in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read three verses, so we're going to turn quickly. I'd like to read three short verses in the middle of the Apostle John's discussion of Christ, the Christian message about love. Everybody say love. All right, so we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin in verse 8. So we're picking just a very brief portion in the middle of this discussion about how Christian understanding of love is, is unique and is powerful. You could say it's a Judaic Christian view of love. Now, we're in a world where Hollywood, uh, you know, 
we're, we're in a world of violence everywhere, and it's depicted everywhere. So this may, in fact, be this message of love in the Christian faith, the top most powerful passage in, in chapter 4 here in all of the Bible. In other words, this scripture itself, I think, is one of the most amazing and powerful scriptures in all of the Bible. It's comparable to Jesus' own words in Matthew where he said, Love your enemies. Now this has become the source of uh, much discussion throughout the centuries about Jesus' impact, not just the things he did, but the words that he said. Three words, love your enemies, which Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used to preach what perhaps is, I, I know it's debatable, but perhaps in my mind it is, but it's, it, others would say no, but one of his greatest sermons over 50 years ago and he entitled it, Love Your Enemies. We need to hear that message again today. And he changed the world because he preached the truth. Verse 8, 1 John 4, verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Very powerful. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Is anybody going to preach with me here today? Anybody going to say, you know, saying amen is free. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested, or we could say in this way was manifested, the love of God. There's my topic. The love of God toward us. So in this way, we could see it manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. The propitiation, which is a unique word. I'm not going to mention it again, but it's in our text. And I want to be sure that you understand that this very unique word found throughout the New Testament simply means a substitution. He is the propitiation. In other words, I was supposed to die, but he died in my place. They pronounced judgment on me, but somebody else took my judgment. So that was love demonstrated at Calvary. I want you to put your Bibles down. I want to preach on the subject incomparable love. Incomparable love. Put your Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his love today. Could we do that right now? Father, thank you for the love of God, for the power of the Holy Ghost that we feel right now, Lord, the anointing of your spirit that is in this place. We thank you for it, Jesus. Reach out to every searching heart, oh God, this morning. Anoint the truth and open our eyes to the powerful love that reaches out 
its nail-scarred hand to our desperate souls. Let us know the truth this weekend about how much you love us, how much you love all people. And thank you, Jesus, that even though we didn't love you, you loved us still. And we give you praise. Let's put our hands together and thank God for it right now. Lord, I thank you for it. And I magnify your name. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. Now today I'm preaching from the subject incomparable love. I almost didn't call it that because the word incomparable is, is one of those unique words. But incomparable, um, some people would possibly pronounce it incomparable even though that's not actually its pronunciation, but incomparable then reminds us that there, there is nothing that is its equal. The love of God has nothing to equal it. You say, well, I love her in a way. I love her in such a way. Uh, if you ever heard of the Taj Mahal, it was a building. They call it frozen poetry because it was built to uh, Shah Jahan, prince of, of Persia, built it to uh, his his. Uh, uh, his wife who, who died in childbirth and, and, and the story is one of those uh, uh, repeated over and over love stories I, I love her in such a way and I'm going to build her a monument that will last for eternity almost but, it, but nonetheless no matter what it is there is no love in all of this world that compares to the love of God it is un. Equal that to which nothing compares. It is incomparable. It is not possible no matter what I say. And I'm here today to preach about an incomparable love. But I'm going to tell you it is not possible to explain it. No matter what I say, no matter what words I use, it is not possible to convey the power of this love. It is so awesome. But I will try. I will preach it. I will say yes, yes, yes. It is incomparable. Although we did not love him. We were strangers, the Bible says. We were not what we should be. This reminds me of Dr. King's sermon where he said it. The world may hate us and they may be filled with hate, but we will not hate them. That's what that reminds me of. Well, you see, what was Dr. King saying? He was reflecting the very love that comes from a God that's impossible to explain it. People that were completely unworthy. We heard a Bible study this morning in our Bible lesson about people in prison that murdered people. And we, we heard two or three examples. I, I know a young preacher that was in prison for murder and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. You say, well, that's terrible. That man doesn't deserve it. That is exactly my point. He was unworthy, but God filled him with the Holy Ghost. In fact, he was so unworthy that he didn't know what to do. He wept and wept and wept because he thought, I've murdered. And he, when he told me his story, of course, I heard him preaching at a huge conference. And, and he was, I mean, I would have never believed the man did what he did. He told the story of how he got involved and how he took a life of someone. I won't repeat it. It's, we'll save it for another time. But he told the story and he began to weep. And he said, but I want you to know that there is only one person in all of the galaxies that could change a life from what I was to what I am and that's the incomparable love and mercy 
of God. Hallelujah. One more time. Put your hands together. Thank you, Jesus. We did not love him. Oh, hallelujah. Although we're lost and hopeless, he loved us. Someone said, well, but God is God and he knows and so on and so forth. Of course, that's all true. So in other words, you want to minimize the fact that it's a love that can't be measured. But love made a way. It was not a school of theology that made a way. It wasn't some intellectual that made a way. You may say nobody's ever loved in a way that would make a difference, but I, I beg your pardon because there is someone who has loved in a way that makes the difference. And that is the very God that made you. He loves you. In fact, I suggest that everything that's going wrong in our world, all the hate, the racism, all of the evil, all of the selfishness, the murder, the crime, someone murdered just to get the shoes off of their feet, the devils that run rampant in our culture makes it unsafe to even be. I, I mean, don't get me going, my friend. I want to tell you something. You can protect your things all day long, but what America needs is an old-fashioned touch of God. That is what we need. Hallelujah. Love is what makes the way. Love is what gets us through. Verse 9 in our text which I read a moment ago, and this was manifested the love of God. We were dead, as it were. Now, I know we're alive, but I'm going to tell you, my friend, the Bible says that what has happened in people today or from the time of Adam on is that man is actually dead before God because they're filled with sin. But the Bible tells us in verse 9 that in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Oh, devil, I'm talking to you here this morning that the love of God began in Genesis and it weaves its way all the way to the book of Revelation. It started way back at the beginning and it's right here in this pulpit today. The love of God is alive and well and Jesus brought us life. He brought us life. Someone said the other day, some, I forget who it was. I think Brother McGee might have even mentioned it. Something similar that, well, you know, there's all these hypocrites. All these, and I always tell them, well, there's room for one more. All these hypocrites everywhere, you know, the hypocrites, hypocrites. That's just a cop-out, my friend. Of course, there's hypocrites. But that's just a cop-out to say, well, don't, don't bother me with it because I'm judging everybody. They don't want to be judged one moment in their lives. But they're judging everybody in the world to be a hypocrite. But I'm telling you today, Jesus came to bring life and hope. And he has the mechanism by which to make it happen. And that is his very awesome and powerful love. Praise God. And there in verse 9 is my message. In this was manifested the love of God. Everyone say the love of God. The incomparable, unequaled love of God. It's the greatest message that's ever been heard. It binds us. I can tell you that love crosses all lines. Love is able to touch all hearts. 
There is no, someone said, well, you're a Pentecostal and, and, and they're Buddhist. But I tell you today, there is something that crosses the boundaries of all religions and all faiths and all actions. And that is the love that people can see manifest. The greatest truth that's ever been known is the love of God. There is nothing more powerful. This is not a political speech. I'm sick to death of political speech. But I tell you today, there is a message that needs to be heard. And that is Jesus loves you. He loves me, thank God. He loves me. Hallelujah. Now the most vivid demonstration of the love of God is Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Calvary is the, let's say, the hill upon which he died. It's become so famous. There is not a culture, a people, there is not a single religion that doesn't know what Calvary is. They may not comprehend all that it is about, but they have heard of Calvary. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. They know about it because Jesus died on Calvary. There an innocent man was crucified and offered himself for you. It stands in history, not as a theological argument, but as a point in time. The devils know it. They know that love was there. The power of God was there. Now, I have a hard time personally uh, seeing depictions at Christmas or Easter or any time about the crucifixion of Jesus. And my grandkids always say, Grandpa is crying. Because I'm, it's, I'm not saying that's difficult because I, I cry and uh, I've never been one ashamed of it. I know lots of men are and people say, well, he's a preacher. He just cries. You know? And I go, well, uh, okay, pass the turkey. But anyway, they're so worried that someone's going to have a few tears on their face. You know, we got to be so stoic. But I want to tell you something. If I had been there, which I wasn't, uh, you know, everything in me says I would have grabbed their hand. You know what I mean? That's just the way. Uh, I, just, I just can't take it. When I think about them striking, you know, there in, in the judgment hall, they, they smote him. Oh, that just draws such an emotion out of me. They smote my Lord, and I want to say, oh, Jesus, you, you know, I mean, that's why I'm not the Lord. Because if I were the Lord of heaven and they smote me, I would have taken uh, most of Colorado right off the map. Wow. I can say Colorado because that's good ways. You know what I mean. Not Colorado. I didn't mean Colorado. It just came. It must be the Holy Ghost. But anyway, so uh, I mean, if, if it were me and they'd have walked up and said, are you the son of God? I said, yes, sir. Where do you want your part? And I would have parted their hair with a, with a bolt of lightning. So the Lord said, that's why you are not the Lord. I'm the Lord. And sometimes I say, Lord, I... I wish so bad I could have stopped it. I, I wish I could have been there. Because, you know, I'm so tough and tall and brave. And I would have walked up to those Roman soldiers and said, Give me that sword. See, that's all in my... <laughs> it's not that funny. And I would have... Uh, 
I would have, uh, I, I would have done. I just, just the ideas, everything in me wants to say, just in exactly the way. I read the other day of a, a racial crime, and I wanted, oh, it just drew in me. And I said, Jesus, get a hold of me, because we're crying out in this world below. We are sinners. We are filled with hate. Come down and baptize us with the love of God. Make me what I ought to be. Oh, and then his love begins to change my very nature. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just lift a hand and love him one more time? Thank you, Jesus. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. We used to sing. When I first came into a Pentecostal church, because I thought they were all wacko, and uh, they would sing, you know, ain't nobody, you know, and I would say, what is wrong with these people? But there was a, a song. I've never forgotten it. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it. It's just French. I've told her once in a while. Uh, how much this song means to me because you know when you're young and, and it's fresh those those are impressions that never leave you and they were singing a song I, I've always been so moved by it I wish that my voice weren't uh, in my cough <coughs> I'm gonna just I'm gonna get it <laughs> I'm afraid to put the water over there because I'm really wound up I remember the first time I walked in I heard and and the choir was singing, Calvary, Calvary. Remember this song? Have we ever sung this? Won't you please, please speak to me. Tell me how much I owe. I want to repay every time. I, I know it's nostalgia. I know it's a 60s song. I know it's an old apostolic tune. But every time I hear it, Calvary, it's like I'm crying out, we need you here. It's 2018. And if we ever needed the mighty touch of your love, we need it. We need it in Georgia. We need it now, Lord. We need it to atone for our sin. Calvary. Please speak to me. This incomparable reality of which some of you have already said in your minds, it's not possible. An innocent man was crucified on your behalf. The nails in his hands and feet and the agony of a Roman execution perhaps among the most barbaric of all executions. I know there's many types of horrific executions, but the reason it is especially heinous is that they don't just kill you, they hang you there. And someone... Wonders how from in that could anything good come. 
an innocent and perfect man. Some would even argue with that because they cannot uh, comprehend the possibility of a human being. Of course, if you ever could comprehend that God had become a man, many can't because they're so smart, they're so clever. Uh, it's not possible, he said to me. <laughs> it's not possible. He was so intelligent. I mean, so intelligent, it was unbelievable. It's not possible that a man, God, could become a man. What do you say? And I said, but it's possible for you to know that it's impossible. Because you're so clever. But God is not clever enough to find a way. But I want to tell you, love found a way. <laughs> Love found a way, Mary. Mary, there's going to be a baby conceived in you. And it's of the Holy Ghost. It is going to change the world forever. So an innocent and perfect Savior reveals the depth of God's love. So I'm talking to you today about it. Calvary speaks to me as Jesus bleeding and dying cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When I hear that, everything in me, I mean, it brings up every revulsion I can think of. I want to say, what, what do you mean forgive them? What are they doing? They need to pay for what they're doing. Until Calvary talks to me. Until Calvary changes my mind and begins to do the work that is incomparable, the work of love. Yes, that blood defeated hell. Hell is defeated. Anybody believe that here this morning? Hell. You know, in case you're not aware, hell is not a swear word. I mean, it is a swear word. Uh, seems to be the most common swear in the world. It's amazing. Most of the swears I hear, I mean, they could be sexual, but usually there's something about God. Either it's name or something like that or something about God or the Bible. They, for example, I, this one guy was saying hell so often... I wondered if he believed in it. So I said, so you believe in hell? What, what do you mean? I said, well, you talk about it all the time. Well, no, I don't believe in hell. Well, then why is it your favorite word? That's the world that we live in. But I'll tell you why. Because this world, no matter how evil it gets, knows that there is nothing more impacting than the truth of hell and of heaven and the battle that goes on between the two and God said I'm going to take care of that and so he defeats hell upon an old rugged cross he did it for me and he did it for you and yes he reaches to the entire world for all time everyone anyone anywhere to all people for all time. Did you know that people today, this very day, let's say this Sabbath day, or better, this Lord's day, 
Did you know that literally millions upon millions upon millions of people are being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? They're getting baptized in ways. I was reading this week about a nation where it took them three months to baptize the millions of people in Jesus' name that said, lead me to the water. I want to be baptized. Folks, I want to tell you, we are living in the last days. Anybody, anywhere. But even if you can't comprehend how red blood can wash sins from the human heart, and even if you think that's a theological statement in some way almost too difficult to comprehend, you can still see and feel The love of God. You can feel it. I'm all wound up and I'm, man, I'm ready to just have revival. Cancel Christmas. Let's just have, no, I'm just kidding. Never cancel Christmas. Especially my packages on strike that. I still want what I put on that list. That's what I want. And when I give them a list, that just means this is just the footnotes. As though what we're doing and what we're saying is theoretical or theological in some way. And, and it is. There's, it has its theological components. They argue about, well, if there are angels in this room, then that, how does that, uh, why can't you see them? And so on. Well, okay, that, that's got to be explained some way. Uh, And the answer to that is they're invisible. That's why you can't see them. So I said, well, how can something be invisible? Well, uh, because they can't be seen. That makes them invisible. And then when they want to be seen, they can be seen. I I feel the brush of angels' wings in the house of God today. I feel the presence of God in this very place. But there's an undeniable demonstration of God's love. And when you think of the cross, when you consider its message, and I'm talking just a little bit here today about it, and I'm trying to commend it to you, that while the blood ran from his brow, it was more than a theological statement. It was a reality, something about love. I know our world is consumed with what they call love, but there was a demonstration of love on that hill that day, and Calvary is speaking loudly. Just as steel is hard, and metal and is unyielding. How many have been keeping up with the raging? I think it is uh, being characterized now as the worst fire in American history. The worst fire in American history. Uh, Malibu was evacuated. I don't know if every single person, I haven't been, you know, just every second keeping up with it, but but uh, one town is completely gone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The fires, like whatever they're calling it. There's actually two fires, but the one down in near Malibu, which is one of the, one of the richest communities in all of America, 
And then not far out from there is this little community. And I was listening to this mother weeping and and I just tears started running down my face, and, and uh, her baby, and 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 people missing. I think there's 1,400 people still missing, and so it's one of the most uh, a raging, uh, amazing. I, I guess I haven't heard anything get so much coverage and so much interest because, of course, it's a human interest reality, and uh, so it is. But the the wreckage and the fire has just swept through and and ruined. Everything for people. The steel, though, this is is uh, a, one of the things that's happened there. Even steel structures have melted down. People are trying to find things. There's nothing left. It just got so hot that someone said they had 40 seconds. One, one gentleman I heard on, this has been a few days ago, but he said, I had 40 seconds. He said, I just grabbed, I forget, you know, don't hold me to it. I just heard it in passing. He grabbed something and ran, and he didn't even get in his car. He ran as fast as he could run, and when he turned around, it had swept into his home. See, you say, well, I don't believe, I don't believe in that or whatever. You're going to believe in it when a fire comes sweeping in. The steel, the hard, unyielding metals, even brick and mortar, strong enough to build skyscrapers and cars and barriers and all the rest. But the hardest steel yields to the melting power of the blazing fire. Because it is a quality of heat that is uh, almost, uh, I mean, if you get it to a particular uh, height of temperature it can literally begin melting that which was used as the strongest of metals and we've just witnessed this great fire the greatest fire in u.s history with everything devastated because of a force of nature but the love of god is god's nature god's nature is love it is love. Someone said, well, I'm a child of God and I just hate so and so. I hate people. That, those people, those, those types of people. I'm a good. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you have the love of God in you, it's going to change your nature. You're going to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The love of God, his nature gets inside of us. And it is the most powerful force in the universe. Hallelujah. Anybody with me here today? The most powerful force in the world is the love of God. Someone asked me, who do you, who do you think is going to hell? I don't want to think about it. Someone said, why don't you put them in hell? They deserve to be put in hell. You know, that's the way some people, that's their religion. Who all's going to hell? What I want to know is, who are we going to save from the gates of hell? Who are we going to touch by the force of heaven that changes lives? Satan believed that he had thwarted God's purpose for man in creation by convincing Adam that sin in Eden was fine. Of course, there was also Eve. Anybody heard of Eve? Nobody's heard of Eve? Are you afraid to say Eve? That's okay. If you're afraid, don't, don't say it. If you're afraid to say Eve, 
Uh, I mentioned Adam. I, 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 was, I did that on purpose. But we know that Eve was talked to by the serpent. Let me tell you something. When somebody betrays you, when somebody walks away, it is the temptation of sin to never, ever forgive. But God did not say man turned from his creator. It was already in his, can I say, I can't say DNA has no DNA. But you know, It was already in his nature, let me say that, to love them. He loved them. He cried out, Adam, where are you? You don't think God knew where they were? You don't think God made the whole universe and he didn't know where they were hiding? He couldn't even play hide and seek? Oh, folks, come on. He knew exactly where they were. I want to tell you something. He knew where they were. He knew what they had done, but he had a plan. What the devil did not know is that God had made man uniquely, so unique that the provision was made for redeeming man back. From sin. I'm going to say something theological here. So I want you, those of you that can't handle it, I need you <laughs> to turn your hearing aid off just for a second. Okay? Angels are also created. And no plan of redemption was envisioned for them. Satan was one of the leading angels in the throne of heaven. And don't you think God knew what was happening in Satan? Of course he did. There was a plan for man that was the manifestation of love you know, when you really love somebody, um, if you know what love is and you're really in love with someone, you'd give your life for them. You wouldn't even snap your finger, nothing. I would give my life for them. Uh, I'm trying to think if I could say that. I can't say that. Uh, um, I can say this, because Brother French is, uh, well, he's in Florida, so he's not here to defend himself. He was six years old, having his fourth open-heart surgery, and I went to God that morning. He says, French, I tell you, it's true. I'd gotten a hotel. I said, I can't, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I just can't bear it. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, why can't I take his place? Why isn't it me? Oh, I wish there was some way that I could go in there. Lord, I've lived. I don't. That's because you love somebody. And you, you know that it's true. You love someone. You know what I'm telling you is the truth. Love changes everything. It just changes everything. Now, theologically, the angelic dilemma 
we'll leave that alone because I don't want to answer. I have no way. It's far too complicated to answer here. But God at the very foundations of the world said, but man, I will provide a way. My love will devise a way in which I can redeem them even though they're lost and undone. I'm going to redeem them back to myself. And I want you to know that day at Calvary when Satan realized he'd crucified the Son of God and the the spear was thrust into the very side and the blood and water came forth. The devil realized he had made the greatest mistake of his career because there flowed the very blood that was the answer to the dilemma of man. I've bought them back. He who was perfect, and I'm going to explain it, although it's deeper, deeper than the ocean, the perfect God-man said, I'm dying for them on their behalf. In the garden, he prayed, Lord, Take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost here right now? The devil had no clue how it would happen. The why was the love of God. The how was was that it was incredible that God was going to reach in places. Praise God. That was absolutely incredible. Now, I can hardly wait to say this, and then I'm, I'm almost done. When we know about God and see the stars or the sunrise or the green sprout in the spring or the crystals of the snowflake and all the amazing components of creation, or we touch the, the newborn baby and, and, and that sense of, all that we experience, we see wondrous truths about the Creator, and they are powerful. I'm not minimizing them in any way. The Bible says that when we, we look to the heavens, we, we realize that we are seeing the handiwork of God, and we are moved by it. I'm moved by it. But that, that is not the same as when you see God at Calvary. In the flesh, walking the Via Dolorosa, the Latin word, of course, for the street that led him to Calvary, and the whip on his back, and all of that, carrying a cross and suspended between earth and heaven for the sins of others. Yes, that is when you are not merely seeing God and his acts and his power, but you are seeing the very heart of God. That is what the man of God is called to reveal, the love of God. And I tell you, it's love is a Niagara of power 
reaching and racing to the precipice and creating the power of a Niagara Falls in the souls of men and women, which brings you into the flow of God's love. It is as powerful as someone caught it. Someone said, there's a place in which you can be in the, the uh, St. Lawrence River and it flows into Niagara and they come from all over Canada. And when you reach that point, it's converging there. That is what you see at Calvary. The love of God bringing you to the place where you are seeing the very You say, I don't understand, preacher. I don't, I don't get it. Well, let me try one more time, and I'm going to close. That powerful flow of his love is revealed in Jesus. In England, where I studied for several years and uh, came back and forth year after year, there's a place there known as the Sailor's Home. It's, a, it's in Liverpool where the Beatles lived and began their famous career. But the, this landmark caught fire in the dead of night and a great cry of fire was raised. When the people came into the streets of Liverpool, they looked up and they could see there were many, many men in the upper stories, in the windows and on the roof of the sailor's home. And they were crying from the top of the building, help us, help, help. And people were frantic. The fire escape on the building did not nearly reach where these men were. There was a kind of a rickety fire escape but it was not adequate. So they went and they tied every ladder together. That they had a rather long ladder, and then they tied ladders. They, they, they frantically, quickly, because the building was just going up in the, in, in, in the power of this fire that was engulfing it. And people didn't know what exactly to do, and so they finally got it, to, and they had many, many dozens of men, and they, they hoisted themselves, and they said, here we go, and they pushed the ladder up against the sailor's home, and, and it bounced against the building, and they realized that with all their efforts, they had failed, that the ladder was not long enough it was too short. There was there a British sailor, a man in the crowd who had been watching all of this going, helping, doing all that he could. People were beginning to really get frantic at just moments. And in moments, they were going to see it. These men were not going to make it. And all of a sudden, nobody knowing what to do. This sailor ran up this ladder as fast as he could run his training making it easier for him to glide up this long makeshift ladder and when he got to the roof he entwined his feet into the top rung of the ladder and he reached out his hand and he grabbed 
ledge of the sailor's home. And he hollered to them on the top, the many men that were trapped. The fire was blazing, and he said, Now, and I've got a quote, I'm reading this. This is not an unfamiliar story in the lands of the islands. He seized the windowsill with his hand, and he said, Quick, men! Some that were there say, I'll never forget. Come on. Over my body. And on to the ladder. What many didn't know is that he was burning his hands to the bone. His face was disfigured. There's a landmark there now. They began to jump, climb down. It was the way to connect the ladder to the, to the roof. One by one, they came down until every single man was saved. And then this, the sailor came down. His face was burned. His hair mostly singed and gone. His fingers burned. But he had saved the men. And someone said, the ladder went a long way we did our best but it needed the length of a man and that man my friend that made the difference between you and your escape was the man Christ Jesus he is your escape and he is your hope could we stand together all across the building this holiday weekend. Nothing can save you. Nothing can save me. Nothing reaches you to change you and make you whole in this world. So God came from His world in the form of man and reached you with nail prints in His hands and said, come on over to our side. He had no sin Himself, so He took upon Him the sting of death that you might walk away. I would say it is the greatest gift in the entire world to find the God that made you and then bought you back when you were astray from Him. Now, here's what I'd like us to do. I want us to gather, if we would, let's lift our hands, saints. I want you to lead the way. Just come as quickly as you can because this is Thanksgiving weekend and we're going to be dismissed from the front. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your neighbors. I want to pray for this coming December. The, pur the purpose of God in people's lives. Let's lift our hands. That's it. And as you come, let's lift our hearts right now. Let's pray together right now. Yes, 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 Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you loved us so much that you died on our behalf. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. What better time is there? to come before the Lord than this beautiful day and to honor what He has done in our lives. Lord, I thank You for it. So this is the day to take the step. I'm going to step out from where I am and I'm going to stand before the Lord. That's it. Come on, just come make, a, make room. Just keep coming forward. we got several people need to stand with us. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. Come on, we're waiting for you. We want to pray for you. I want God to have his way in every life. God is doing a work. Would you lift your hands and let's just praise him just a little bit right now.
the holy eternity. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we've been celebrating national thanks. But Lord, more than anything, we're thankful for what you have done. Don't worry about anybody else. I want you to just close your eyes and bow your heads right now. Jesus bridged the gap between you and heaven. He provided a way for you. And we're standing here to give thanks to him. Hallelujah. Lord, you're going to help us right now. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're near someone, I want you to just reach over. And if you want to take someone's hand or reach around and pray for, maybe you got family there. Let's pray. This is a Thanksgiving. We're going to pray a prayer of Thanksgiving and a, a prayer of hope and faith that God's power will touch every life. Lord, we thank you right now for it. That's it. Let's pray together. Says, friends, sing it one more time. Oh, yes. Oh, he is more. That's it, Father, right now. Thank you for each family. I pray for blessings, Lord, all the way to the back of this building. That someone will know that you're reaching for them, Lord, in the secret of their hearts. That they'll make room, God, for you to have your way, to be obedient, to respond to the gospel. Lord, to reach out to you at this time right now. Lord, what better time? What a more, what a more opportune moment than to reach out today by faith. That's it. Reach over and pray for the person on the other side. Let's just sort of love one another a little bit. Somebody may have a need you don't know anything about. Let's just pray for one another. Lord, thank you for your blessings on every home. Every family of Jesus. Lord, you reached down. You gave yourself. Now we're going to give ourselves. We're going to care one for another. We're going to make a difference in this world. We're going to let the Holy Ghost have its way. We're going to worship you, Lord, at this special time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Eternity. Thank Him for the love Praise God. Praise God. Let's bow our heads, shall we, all across the building. Just Let's just, I know we're in a rush. I don't know why we're in such a rush. Maybe you got to get to the boat or what I understand. That. But let's just, let's just take a moment and entertain the presence of the Lord. Lord, you're working in somebody's life right now. We don't want to rush it. We're climbing the ladder. We're doing all we know to do. But we need to make sure everybody gets in. We thank you for it, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, let's, let's pray together. We want to pray a special prayer. For you today. Let's let's bow our heads right now. Father, I thank you for every life that's here. I know that you are working a miracle right now. I know you're working in your power right now. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. So I ask that you'll help each one 
And we're beginning to get in the rush of the holiday. And I pray the saints of God will not lose sight of what you came to do. Lord, we don't want to have a Christmas. It's all about gifts and trees. When it's really not at all, it's about who you are. The baby came. But we're thankful for you coming, Lord. Hallelujah. So bless each one. Lord, I have faith for them right now. No one to leave this place without an answer from God. Now let's lift our hands and thank God, Sister French. Sing it one more time. He is more than all the world to me. If you have to slip out, of course, I understand just you're, you're dismissed, but let's praise Him one more time before you go and thank Him for it. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He is. Hallelujah. A whole eternity. Yes, yes, yes. Be sure to greet somebody before you go.